Hey everyone, it's Jeff from MCS Magazine, and this is a busy week over here at the HQ as we gear up for our next live New World Patriot training workshop. And to get the ball rolling, we reached out to this month's featured instructor to jump on the line with me and talk about a topic that very few gun owners ever think about when it comes to training for defending themselves with a firearm. And even fewer instructors are out there teaching it. Now you get a glimpse into why this is such a critical topic, as well as some instant tips that you can use to be better prepared right away in this week's broadcast. But I'll give you a heads up here. Sometimes we're dealing with instructors that are constantly on the go. They're out there training, and sometimes it's just them and a cell phone in their car. So if this week's call gets a little fuzzy for you, don't worry. Spare me the hate mail. Focus instead on the content, and this week's live broadcast will actually be on a landline, so much better audio quality. So go ahead and check this out now. Bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging. Would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, you know how to survive. If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. You hear it all the time in the self-defense and hand-to-hand combat world when instructors are talking about the reality of a real street fight. 80% of all fights end up on the ground. Now, whether that's a scientific number to be believed or not, anyone who's ever been in or seen a fight in public has experienced a stand-up fight that sooner or later does hit the pavement and end up in a tiring wrestling match. Or if one fighter is especially talented at ground fighting and can get to a superior top position, it becomes a brutal pounding that's hard to fight your way out of. Now, while there are more and more unarmed combative systems that are developing tactics for surviving a real ground fight, you'll find very few firearms instructors who are giving it the same attention. And knowing that such a high percentage of close quarter attacks go to the ground, could that be a deadly mistake? Well, this week we're going to be holding a live workshop on gunfighting on the ground for our New World Patriot Alliance members, where we'll dig deep into the exact tactics that you need to master in order to survive such a dangerous scenario. But to get things started, we'll do a little bit of digging right now with the realities of a ground attack for armed citizens. Welcome, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine and executive director of the New World Patriot Alliance with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And with us today is not only our featured instructor this month for the New World Patriot Alliance, but also one of our longest-running MCS Network firearms and combatives instructors, Rich Nance. Rich, welcome to the program, man. Thank you very much, Jeff. Appreciate you having me on. Good to have you on. I know you're a busy guy, so uh, it's good to finally get you on on the show here. Now, listen, everyone, if, if Rich's name sounds familiar, it's probably because you've seen him plastered all over several of the popular magazines in our industry, including Handgun, Guns and Ammo, Personal and Home Defense, Black Belt, and others. Now, he served as the host of Personal Defense TV on the Sportsman's Channel, appeared on Guns and Ammo TV, and now co-hosts a show called Handguns and Defensive Weapons. 
a former SWAT team leader and full-time police officer. Rich's certifications and the combative expertise that he's sought out for is a list a mile long, and his books and DVDs are some of the best out there for anything from close quarters, hand-to-hand combat, advanced carbine tactics, and the topic that we've snagged him for today, based on his amazing book that was released this year, Gunfight, an Integrated Approach to Shooting and Fighting in Close Quarters. Now, for more information on Rich and his training, please visit him online at www.wartac.com. And that's W-A-R-T-A-C.com. Now, Rich, I, you, have a, you have a great perspective on this topic because you've not only developed your own tactics for both hand-to-hand combat and close quarters gunfighting, but in your law enforcement role, this type of training can really be like a, a get it or get it right or die type of information. So I, I know you work with all different levels of operators and civilian gun owners, and I know we're going to cover a lot of information this week in our workshop. But what I want to do is give our listeners some valuable tips that they can use right away. So let me ask you this. What would you say are the biggest mistakes that you see most armed citizens make when it comes to preparing for a close quarters gunfight on the ground? And then tell us the best way to fix them so that people can be better prepared today. Wow, that's a, that's a great and very challenging question, Jeff, because as you know, a fight is difficult enough. A fight on the ground adds another le- uh, level of complexity. And a fight on the ground on the street where there could be potential weapons or multiple assailants involved, I mean, it, it could be absolute chaos. I think the first thing that you have to realize is that you don't want the fight to go to the ground. Of course, it may not be up to you, so you have to be prepared. But if you're a wrestler, you know, high school wrestler, or if you play football, or if you are a skilled jiu-jitsu, you may be tempted to take someone to the ground. And for the reasons that I sort of alluded to, that's not a good idea, particularly when you consider that your assailant may be armed. And of course, that's the last place you want to be if you're armed, if you're carrying a concealed uh, handgun, knife, or whatever, because on the ground, uh, typically, your weapon will be more accessible to the assailant than if you're standing and can kind of maintain sort of a reactionary gap. Um, on the ground, your mobility is severely limited. Uh, if you're in the bottom position, in other words, the suspect is on top of you, you are at a tremendous disadvantage as far as being able to get leverage into any of your strikes. And also, it's going to be harder for you. Let's say your firearm is out because this guy has a pipe wrench, for instance. Uh, You draw your firearm, which would be an appropriate response uh, based on the deadly uh, threat that you're faced with. The guy's threatening you with a pipe wrench, right? But then he drops the pipe wrench, or you knock the pipe wrench out of his hand, whatever the case is. And now, you're holding your pistol but it's no longer necessarily a deadly force situation. So he grabs hold of you, you go to the ground, and your gun's out. Now you're in a gun grappling match on the ground. So to think that there's going to be like a technique with seven steps that's going to work anytime you're in that situation is pure fantasy. So you have to have some basic concepts uh, to, to go, and maybe that leads me into my second point. So the first point would be stay off the ground, even if you're highly skilled, um, at ground fighting, it's the last place you want to be. Multiple assailants, um, limited mobility, and also accessibility to uh, weapons. So well, and here's here's one thing. Of, here's one. Yeah, here's one. Here's one thing about that. Like I know, I know there's probably like the guys that are out there that are concealed carry, oper- you know, handgun operators, and and they out they carry a gun would probably take a listen to that and say, well, no duh. I mean, I have a gun. Why would I? Why would I want it to go to the ground? But here's the thing why I think what you said is so important is because even if you carry 
a weapon with you every single day, and that's like your primary weapon you, you carry concealed, most of these fights happen in close quarters. So when you your body is going to react how you react. So if somebody reaches out and tries to tackle you or grab you or you just get into a close thing, you might not even be even remember that your gun is even there. Like when somebody puts hands on you, you might instinctively, especially like you said, if you're if you're conditioned like you're a wrestler or you do any sort of like grappling type martial arts or anything like that, you might even just instantly forget about your gun. And in that ambush, you might try to take it to the ground because you know you're good at the ground. And and that's why I think people people shouldn't be too quick to dismiss that that concept of you don't want to go to the ground on, under any conditions. Yes. You, you, you bring up two great points, Jeff. One is that, yeah, absolutely. Under duress, when you're, when you're getting, when you're losing the fight, what you're going to do is what you consider to be the most dominant response that you have and also the most, uh, the most practiced response. Like I said, that's kind of like what I was calling that the high school wrestler might shoot him for a double leg. You know, if you're a boxer, you're going to try to box him. Uh, but another thing too is you may intentionally go to the ground and it may make sense tactically. When you were about to get knocked out, standing, right? I mean, if if, if you're getting pummeled, uh, you're getting absolutely, you know, your head bashed and standing up. That may be a situation where you do decide to go to the ground because maybe you think that your odds are better in that way. It may also be that you're falling to the ground, so you grab hold of the assailant to kind of hopefully dictate in some way how you end up once you're on the ground. Hmm. Um, and even another scenario that's not too far-fetched is um, during an active shooter event, if you're able to obtain a position, let's say, inside of a room because you couldn't run and hide, right? That was not an option. So you're at the fight phase of, uh, of what Homeland Security developed as their plan. And you're able to basically flank someone who comes into a room, let's say, with a rifle. Well, you may grab a hold of that rifle and you may intentionally direct that person to the ground while controlling the direction of the muzzle. Now, hopefully, you'll have other people that will help you. In other words, maybe your job is to, you know, grab the hand and weapon and control the direction of the muzzle. Uh, another person is designated to to wrap the guy's legs up and take him down. Once on the ground, someone else is going to bash his head in, right, until he's no longer a threat. But those are some some examples of situations, although fairly uncommon. It's not inconceivable to think that you may actually intentionally go to the ground, even if you're armed or even if you know an assailant is armed. So again, there's no hard and fast rules. It's just that generally, as a general rule of thumb, the ground is the last place you want to be. Now, if you're on the ground, Jeff, which brings me to my next point, you have to be aware that obviously you're going to know if you have a weapon, right? But you have to realize that your weapon is vulnerable and you have to do everything you can to protect that. And sometimes, depending on the position, if you're on your back and the assailant has mounted you, let's say you have a weapon that's carried along your waistline, it's going to be very difficult for you to access that weapon if you wanted to because his legs are going to be straddled over your your holster. Um, the good news is he can't get to it very easily either, right? But if he's in your guard, in other words, your legs are wrapped around his waist, then your holstered weapon, whether it's anything along your, your waistline, whether it's a fixed plate knife, even a folding knife in your pocket really, would be accessible to you. So you gotta think about that as an option. But don't don't forget that it may be accessible to the assailant as well. And if he's in top position, he's gonna have a lot of leverage to be able to try to wrench that free from you. So you have to be aware of your weapon. Make sure you do what you can to control that, whether it's in holster or 
whether it's in your hand. And again, I kind of gave an example earlier. Of you, you, it may be hard to assume how the hell do you end up on your back with your gun in your hand and this dude on top of you holding onto your gun. Well, I mean, there's a million things that could that could lead to that point, right? But you just have to realize the position you could be in. It could be that you're de-escalating force, as in the example I gave. Guy's armed, throws down the weapon, still charges you, takes you to the ground. Or it could even be that you're on the ground, you know, losing severely, about to go unconscious, and you're able to finally draw your weapon, which in this case may be a pistol, and the assailant grabs a hold of the pistol, and maybe he's trying to redirect the muzzle into your face. One, one kind of strange uh, circumstance there is that it's going to be easier for you to get this guy off of you when he's in a mounted position, when he's holding on to your pistol, trying to wrench it free from your hand, than if there was no weapon involved. When there's no weapon involved, he has that balanced position with his center of mass directly over yours, and it's very difficult to buck somebody up. I mean, you've seen UFC fights, right? When, when, the mount, when one fighter achieves a mount, it could be hell for the guy in the bottom to try to get out. But in that same situation, deal with the mount, when the assailant grabs onto your pistol with both hands, you can sort of push off the ground, bridge, kind of buck your hips, and send him off of you. And he has a couple options. He can hold onto it with both hands, which in which case he'll probably space plant, and that would do a lot for you. Or if he releases one of both hands to catch his fall, then that means that's less of the gun that he's holding onto, and also he is now not directly on top of you, but rather he's off balance. And that can give you opportunity to do some of the weapon retention uh, principles that we apply even with standing, which are based on a push, pull, and twist concept. In other words, you're driving the weapon toward the assailant and violently pulling it back and twisting it. And also a concept that we use a lot, which is called the pry concept, where we're using uh, let's say, our forearm to actually pry the assailant's hand off of our weapon. Or it could be on the ground. You may even use your lower leg as a pry to pull the weapon and pry against uh, the suspect's wrist with your knee, for instance, to extract his hand from the weapon. So uh, there's a whole whole lot to be uh, concerned with. Um, but uh, it's something that, again, don't be on the ground. If you're on the ground, control the weapon. Now, if it is uh, the suspect trying to get your holstered weapon or whatever, what you want to do is control his arm or hand that's nearest the weapon. One great way to do that, which is also effective in a clinch, is to do an arm drag, right? Because when I drag this guy's arm across his body away from my weapon, not only am I preventing that arm from accessing my weapon, but his body has him so bound up that his other arm is essentially useless, right? And so from there, I've cleared a path where I can now draw my own weapon in and bring it to bear if necessary. So kind of a lot to consider, but it's all concept-based. There's no, you know, formulaic ABC type uh, response that, that works on the ground. Um, and finally, you know, another thing that we, we forget to mention sometimes is that once you're on the ground and you're in the fight, you know, control the weapon. And I should also clarify that by controlling a weapon, whether it's yours or his, that's going to happen when that weapon is close to your body, close to your center where you have power. You don't want to get your arms extended from your body because you have no power, uh, no leverage to maintain possession of it. Once you are controlling the weapon, again, whether it's yours or his, you got to think about counterattacking, but only once the weapon has been controlled, right? Because if I try to counterattack before I control the weapon, I'm going to be sustaining multiple stabs, 
uh, or, or being shot, right? So weapon is priority, yours or his. Control whatever weapons are involved and then counterattack absolutely violently. Uh, there was a study, a law enforcement study out some time ago that um, uh, it's like 60-something percent of the uh, of the assailants who took an officer to the ground to continue the attack. So when I teach law enforcement, which is quite a bit, I teach them that if you're on the ground, a very high level of force uh, is authorized if you're on your back. If you've been taken to the ground and on your back, uh, it's pretty easy to articulate that you're at such a disadvantageous position that you can use uh, quite a bit of force and it would be deemed reasonable to, to get up from that. But um, So you want to try to sweep this guy off you, right? I mean, you're in control of the weapon, that's cool, but you gotta, you've got to better your position at that point, and usually that's going to come by way of striking vulnerable targets, eyes, throat, etc. maybe using your weapon. If you have even a, a folding knife that you're not able to open, but you can just draw it from a pocket, if it extends, if it protrudes beyond your hand, that can make a really good, a really good weapon to strike with. But then what you ultimately want to do is try to sweep the assailant, right, so that you are in a top position and you can disengage. Because that, that's the goal is to disengage. And my final point would be to achieve a standing position, scramble to your feet as soon as practical. Not necessarily as soon as you can, because let's say the, the assailant is standing over you, like he's knocked you to the ground, maybe you're on your knees. You might not want to immediately stand up because doing so is going to leave your head susceptible to knee strikes or, or punches or whatever the case is. So you may want to stay on the ground at that point until you're able to back the assailant up, maybe by way of like low-level, low-line kicks toward the knees, shins, etc., to try to back him up a little bit to where you can get your feet out uh, underneath you and then you can kind of stand up in base as you're creating further distance. So that's kind of the the three-step process there for simplicity. Uh, avoid the ground, right, at all costs. If you're on the ground, you have to be aware of and immediately control any weapons that are involved, and then you're going to start start thinking about counterattacking, sweeping, and ultimately getting back to your feet. Yeah, yeah. Well, good stuff. I mean, I think I think everybody, Um, I mean, this is really a prelude to our live workshop that we're going to be doing this Wednesday for everyone that is in the New World Patriot Alliance, but but I think for everyone, just just going through an exercise because I don't think anybody ever really does this. Just have somebody; it doesn't matter who it is. Just get on top of you and and use some sort of a safe training aid, like an airsoft gun or something like that, where you know just have it out and just just to understand the difficulty, the paradigms, the different, just the environment that you're in when somebody is on top of you. Um, I like what you said. I mean, I never really thought of it, but positioning is so critical. If somebody is in the mountain, their their legs are around you. That's typically like around your waist where people are carrying their weapon, which makes it pretty much impossible. So whereas if you can get your legs wrapped around them, like some people might see in the UFC, all of a sudden, now you have, they might still be on top, but you now have the ability to get to your weapon. So just things like that can make, can really be life or death decisions when it comes to surviving this type of thing. So I'm really looking forward to getting into more of the, the specific tactics and, and some of the strategies that people can use for where something I think that a lot of people just really aren't training out there. So. So listen, everyone, if you're in the New World Patriot Alliance, make sure, don't forget, put this on your calendar. You can go ahead and put your questions in now uh, into the the area for the broadcast that's coming up. If you're not a new member of Patri uh, New World Patriot Alliance, you can go ahead and go over to New World 
patriot.org, and you can check it out there. And uh, But make sure that you get that on your calendar. In the meantime, for everyone, go check out Rich's training over on his website at www.wartac.com. Again, that's W-A-R-T-A-C.com. I've been a big fan of Rich's. I mean, God, we've known each other for a bazillion years now. And I have always loved his training, his DVDs and everything. It's it's a very unique approach to a lot of things that people might take as kind of gospel out there. He, and Rich is not one of those people like just because I was taught it means that it works. Uh, he definitely pressure tests everything. So there's some really great information out there. Go check it out. Rich, thanks so much. I appreciate you taking some time. And I'm looking forward to Wednesday's workshop. And for everyone awesome. out Thank there, you very much, Jeff. yeah, awesome, man. And for everyone else out there, this is Jeff Anderson. Until our next Modern Combat and Survival broadcast, train hard, stay safe, prepare now. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.